Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Like always, I'm joined with my husband and co-host, Josiah Keneally. Josiah, how are you doing today? The sun is shining. Let's just point that out. In Minneapolis, (laughs) Minnesota, we're doing well. The sun is shining high of like 50 degrees. So we woke up this morning, and we're alive. It's going to be a good day. We're enjoying life, and... So I'm, I'm excited to just hop on this podcast. It's a joy to come into your workout, your AirPods, your earbuds, your headphones, however you're listening to it on your car stereo, maybe going for a joy ride or in the office. We're just glad to um, get to chat with you. Yes, we all need a fun little joy ride to get out of the house and get some fresh air. But Josiah, without any further ado, I know that you have a very special guest that you want to introduce to us today. Would you do the privilege of telling the audience who that person is. Definitely. One of the premier young adult ministries in America comes out of Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas, and it's called The Porch. And today we actually get to be joined by two of their leaders. David Marvin is the overseeing leader of The Porch, as well as Carson Radke is the director of operations. And throughout history, there's been one age group that has consistently had incredible influence on the culture and the world around it. I'm reading this from David's bio, and that's young adults. We love this age group. They love this age group. And we all believe that it's crucial for the influence and limitless potential as well as impact. So we're so excited to welcome David and Carson to the show. Guys, thanks for hopping on. Come on, excited to be here, man. Really, really, uh, anybody who loves just seeing young adults unleashed, um, we, we love getting to connect with and talk with and, and so share a similar heartbeat clearly as you guys and, and thankful to get to be on here. That's amazing. That's we're so excellent. excited. And Carson, how are you doing, man? We're good. We're good. We're, we're uh, hunkered down here in Dallas. Um, and yeah, we're just appreciative that you guys asked us to join you. We're really encouraged by um, what y'all are doing and, and saw your young adults conference that y'all are launching. So just encouraged to lock arms with partners like you that are uh, trying to equip young adults uh, across the country and across the world. That's incredible. For sure. That is our heartbeat. It's Mm -hmm. all about the name and the glory of Jesus. Um, Thinking about how Jesus even taught us how to pray. The first thing was, Lord, your name be lifted up. God, your name be Mm-hmm. lifted up and so God you know it's all about the name of Jesus and people knowing mm-hmm. that name worshiping that name and definitely we want to lock arms so it's it's fun all right we're gonna kick everything off right away and we want to hear from both of you so can each of you share kind of like where you started young adult ministry or share portions of your story with our audience today so I'm gonna have David go first because you're in my first little square just to make it easier how's that <laughs> I love it um, yeah, I, I've been on staff at Watermark 11 years. I've been working and being with leadership at the porch for eight years. I grew up in Houston, Texas, and um, was raised primarily by a single mom and uh, trusted Christ at an early age, well, early, relatively, at age 12 in a Baptist church down in Houston, Texas, and um, never thought I was going to go into ministry. Uh, I had just plans of, of going off to school and then going to law school, and, um, and so went through and really... Uh, in my time at a university down here, Texas A&M, 
felt like God gave me a vision for the church that I had never seen before. I grew up in, in a, a, a fine, totally great church, but I'd never seen people live authentically, live in community, just, just the, the uh, even heroic vision that the church is the hope of the world. And through some other believers in those four years in college, God just grabbed my heart in, in a different way and uh, was still planning on going to law school. And so had a program, I basically got reached out to by Watermark because I, I was serving at a camp. There's a Christian camp that I worked at and was on leadership at for four years. And um, the leadership here at this church had also in the past worked there. And there's just lots of overlap. That camp's called Canica. But anyways, so um, they reached out and said, or Canica reached out to Watermark and said, there's a guy that you guys should, should um, hire and spend some time with. And so I got a call from a church I had never been to called Watermark said, well, you want to come be essentially kind of a mixture of, we'll disciple you, you'll play Rover in the student ministry, or like, uh, you'll just kind of be a guy that picks up whatever we need. And, um, and I came, spent time with the leadership, did not plan on, that was not the next step that I thought I was going to take. And uh, yet, as I just prayed through it, I just felt like God was, was doing something. I couldn't shake it. So accepted the opportunity to come here, enrolled in seminary, just because if you're you're going to be broke, might as well be really broke. And uh, <laughs> went through seminary. And then, um, you know, 11 years later, here I am. So people always talk about the call. When did you get the call? Or I'll get people ask me that question. Call to ministry. And, um, and I always joke that like, man, if they call, they didn't leave a voicemail. So uh, <laughs> God is, he's called all of us in, to be a kingdom of priests. And um, and so whether that's on a full-time role in staff or whether that's doing something in the business world or for a nonprofit or you're a teacher, he's, he's called all the saints to be ministers of the gospel. And, um, and so he just kind of opened one door after the next. And um, that's been kind of the journey as it relates to young adults that uh, I've been on. And then Carson, that segues to you, um, jumped on about a year ago, was a CFO in a, in a business, incredibly gifted operational person. He, he's like the executive pastor of the porch would be the cleanest way to think of it, the gifted thinker and really gifted executor. And uh, yeah, cars take from there. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Um, also grew up, well, I grew up pretty close to Dallas and McKinney, just um, 20 miles north of where we are at Watermark. And um, I always went to church and had a, had an understanding of who God is, but and, and was able to say with my mouth that, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, but I, I didn't, I didn't fully believe that in my heart. I was actually at a watermark membership class in 2013 and they asked on a scale of one to 10, how sure are you that you're going to heaven? And I said that I was a seven. Um, and so just walking through the Romans road, it was for the first time that I realized that there's nothing that I could do to earn salvation, but it's, it's something that I have to receive in my heart. And so um, I've had a special place for just this, uh, this, body of believers for, for quite a while. And as David said, worked in the business world. And uh, a good friend of mine was in this role previously. And so when this role came available, was just processing uh, whether it would be the right thing to do to take it. Because um, God doesn't necessarily need more Christians working at a church. He needs Christians everywhere in this world. And um, I, it was very clear to me that the most faithful thing to do wasn't necessarily to go work at a church. Um, but because I should be faithful wherever I am, whether I'm working in a business, as David said, whether you're working in a nonprofit world, no matter what you're doing, you're, 
you can take ministry wherever you are. Um, but just had continued peace that this was the right thing to do. And um, it's been an absolute joy and extremely fun since I came on board last April. It's amazing. Well, happy one year anniversary to the court, Carson. That's awesome. And I just look at this, like if, if I caught it right, David, you really had this university moment, this dorm dream, this God vision while you were in college. And, and I, I look at young adult ministry really is made up a lot of mm -hmm. college students. And then Carson, for you, it might've been more for you as a young professional, mm. you know, as, as a young person, like think that a commonality, uh, a similar thread that both college students and young professionals, everyone's asking the same question. Whether you're 22 or 28, you're trying to figure out mm -hmm. what's next? What's, what's my mm -hmm. maybe purpose in life? Who's going to call me? And are they going to leave a voicemail? Who's going to send me a LinkedIn message? And how am I going to get a job that pays for college? And so I just look at both of your stories to me, from the outside looking in, it would make a whole lot of sense that God would use a group of people who, my story mm -hmm. is one where God really used me and, and got a hold of my life while I was in college. For Micah, she really came alive spiritually in her mm -hmm. faith with Jesus as a young adult. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it makes sense. Two of my best friends, one's a junior high pastor, the other was a high school pastor for like a decade each. And the junior high pastor gave his heart to Jesus in middle school, high school, he, you know, high school pastor, he gave his life to the Lord in high school. And it's just, it's interesting how sometimes the, the time and in, in moment in space where God touches your life, he actually uses you to impact people while they're in mm -hmm. a similar moment. And so love that you guys. And let me ask you this, if we kick off the interview talking about leadership, in team building, I think that would be doing a really great service to the listeners because Ephesians 4, Paul instructs the church at Ephesus that really those overseers, those who do maybe volunteer or those who do answer the call to ministry and work vocationally within a, a church, they're to equip the saints to actually do the work of the ministry. And so if you've been in young adult ministry for any length of time, mm -hmm. we all recognize the, the vital, vital importance of volunteers and the teams. And so can you guys specifically talk about the leadership team and flow at the porch? Yeah, so um, what I always say, the magic of the porch is, so the porch is located in Dallas, Texas, for people who aren't aware. There's a few thousand young adults that gather on Tuesday denied at 7 p.m. and there's 15 locations throughout the country additional porch live streaming locations that are at different churches that stream in the message and um, operate like a satellite church often does where they do their own announcements their own worship um, their own kind of follow-up and then they do they stream in the message but the magic here and at any location where God is at work is not the music it's not the message it's the ministers and the people that he's raised up and so truly I, I think when um, you know, whenever we're onboarding new volunteers, there's about 150 uh, volunteers weekly that serve. Uh, we remind them, you guys are what makes the ministry. It's, mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how great messages are. If they don't have somebody to follow up with them, to talk with them, to engage with newcomers that are coming, to share the gospel and lean in and ask questions. And so we have a team of, um, uh, specifically for this location, we've got a staff team of about seven that oversees uh, 150 volunteers. 
and uh, then there's a few thousand attendees. And those volunteers, to become a porch volunteer, you go through a 10-week training course. So as the porch has grown, and this, this is where I always hesitate to give like, hey, do it as we do, because as you grow, you kind of figure things out. You know, long ago, our training looked like, uh, you know, make sure they are, they're following Jesus and then come serve with us. And as just it's grown and more volunteers have uh, applied to have interest, we've just raised the bar and raised the bar and tried to equip and um, better prepare them for ministry. So they go through 10 weeks of training where they get to see what it looks like. They're trained on how to share their story in 30 seconds and three minutes and, and a longer format. And then at the end of that 10 weeks, they're also, there's, and there's verses they memorize, they're shadowing somebody on how to engage with, with people that are showing up. And, um, and then at the end of that 10 weeks, they do a three-day in-town mission trip, if you will, where they go and they go share their faith. They go partner with an organization that helps rebuild homes in the area. And it's just, and they worship in the park, the heart of downtown Dallas. There's a few hundred people that will come to worship night there. It's a really cool training process that all of our people will go through. And there's different values that in that 10-week course are hammered into them. And, um, and that has really allowed us to, it's kind of a, the Navy SEALs have something called BUDS training, B-U-D-S, and that's our BUDS training. That's where we're like, hey, this is the time where you opt out. We're not asking you to come set out chairs or come do something. We're asking you to give your life to reaching the lost in this city. And if you want, if you're looking for like, I need friends and I need to check the box. This is not for you. We love you, but we're going we're gonna to minister to you, not through you. But if you want to give your life to what Jesus said, you know, this is the hope of the world, which is not the porch, it's the church and reaching the lost in the city, then you have come to the right place and help us get stronger and better. And um, so Carson, anything, what would you add? Yeah, I would just, to, to pull out a phrase that David said is that um, we don't do ministry to people, we do ministry through people. And um, I know that for for a lot of people, they may hear, oh, a staff of seven, that's really big. If only I had a staff right. of seven, I could pull off the porch. And, um, I gotta just remind too, that's like with the staff of seven, we're doing, um, we're preparing messages on a weekly basis. We're preparing graphics, bumper videos, digital media. We're planning conferences like Awaken um, and other elements. So it's not like it's, it's seven pastors sitting around that only do discipleship. Um, that's inherently a part of all of our jobs, but um, it's, it's a handful. It's just one, two, three people that are um, continuously pouring into those leaders. So coming back to where I was starting with, we don't do ministry to people, we do ministry through people. And um, if, if we're ever foolish enough to think that we're going to pull off a pastoral or a discipleship model that is staff focused and staff led, and it's not volunteer led, um, we're going to both burn out our team and we're not gonna have a sustainable model in place. And so everything that David just said points to the fact that we think that um, the success of the, the success of a young adult ministry, really the viability really comes down to the ability to train up volunteers, to train up leaders, um, to be really the hands and feet of that ministry. Right. I think it's a beautiful illustration of first and foremost, you and your team seem to be very secure leaders because a secure leader can equip, train and empower the teams that they're leading. Right. And they're not holding on to leadership so tightly where well, you can do this, but you can't do that. And it sounds like you guys really are 
you know, demonstrating the hands of Christ of saying, I'm going to teach you everything I know, but I'm going to hand off, hand this portion of whatever off to you. Here are the guardrails. Here's what we're, here's what we're aiming for. Here's the vision that I'm casting that God's laid on our hearts as a team. But we also want, it's not about the qual, it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. And if you need an exit ramp, boom, there's a door. You can participate as much as you want. But for this 10 week program that you talked about, it sounds intense and it sounds very important because I think Josiah and I, as we have grown in leadership the last 10 to 12 years, both of us have really recognized the fact that we can't hand over leadership too quickly if the people aren't equipped. And sometimes we're just like, yeah, anybody, come on, we need some help, hold the doors, get the coffee, blah, 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 you know, and, and that has kind of just burdened some bridges or maybe, you know, backfired. backfired. <laughs> and we had to restructure. Totally restructure, restructure. And I believe it was David, I think you stepped into this role of, of Watermark Church. <clears throat> and can you just tell us the story about inheriting this team um, from the developing the team and continually team building in the process? Like, how do you do that? And maybe you touched a little bit with the last question, but can you take us a one step deeper? Totally. Well, I'll I'll try and then tell me if I don't answer the question. Um, so there was another guy that, uh, so history of the porch, I would say, that I think this will be helpful to everyone listening. The most significant or one of the most significant days in, in our ministry's history um, was about 11 years ago. It may have been 12 mm -hmm. actually. And uh, the porch looked very different. It probably looked like, like a lot of ministries that are currently existing. It was about 125 people. There's 20 volunteers. There was very little vision that was given to the volunteers. It was essentially like, hey, just show up, up and can you stand at the door and can you hand that thing out? Can you do that? Similar to what you're saying. And um, another guy that, that uh, has moved on to be a, a pastor of another church in town named JP had just been kind of handed the reins of leading that ministry or the, the guy leading left. And it was like, well, what do we do? And so the community director, which was JP at that time, basically was like, hey, uh, we need to give these people something they can respond to. People need vision in front of them. So we got all the volunteers together and it was like, hey, um, everyone is fired. So we don't need people to stand at the door. We don't need people to park cars. We need pastors. We need evangelists. We want to call you to give your life to this. And so if you are interested in that, you can reapply and you can rejoin us. And if not, like I already said, hey, we're going to love and give you a place where you can attend, but we're not going to lead through you. And really since that day, there's been a waiting line of volunteers is a wait list of people that want to come on and be a part of it because this generation is so hungry to have vision put in front of them to be a part of something bigger than themselves use their gifts and corporate america is letting them use their gifts and taking advantage of them right you know in that way and uh and the church is not often deploying some of the most gifted asset that they have which is the demographic of young adults that are there and so we began to do that and um and god just created a wake of impact in our city and um so about three no four years ago now uh jp um so he and i led together for eight years total but he began to transition out and did what a great leader does which is they begin to define their success by their successor and hey i need to find a replacement i need to get somebody that this thing's not built around me and i need to raise up a younger generation we're not getting younger we're getting older we're dying and, um, and so he began to do that and fully stepped out of that leadership of the porch in 2016, I believe. 
and uh, went to be a campus pastor, a part of the campus pastor, and just stayed on helping with the teaching then. And so, but that same heartbeat of calling volunteers to more, giving them and empowering them, giving them a vision and then empowering them to reach that vision is still a part of the DNA. And it's something we have to constantly keep in front of because as the saying goes, vision leaks and um, the gravitational pull is not going to be to do that. So I think that we are almost, I've said in the past, we're borderline irresponsible when it comes to like empowering and delegating. Like um, some churches are like, hey, you can't order the pizza. You're, you're not on staff. And it's like, dude, that's insane. They're a VP of marketing at Bank of America and you won't, yeah. that, that is ridiculous. You won't let him, um, like Carson be a perfect example. He was a CFO of a company. And I'm like, well, there's churches that would be like, well, you can't, you know, have access to that room to lead volunteers unless there's a staff person in there. And we just don't think like that. We're like, man, if they're a trusted person we poured into, we're going to give them more rope than maybe they even should have. And, um, and I remember there was like a, uh, there was a couple moments that illustrated this a little bit and they're just almost comical, but, um, but they're quick illustrations. There was a day JP and I were walking over to our sanctuary and we were getting ready for Tuesday night at the porch. And, um, and it was at winter day. So when it's cold, we have these fire pits we set out outside and then we have food trucks that come each week. And we both looked at each other and we're like, who puts those fire pits out and how do those food trucks get here? And neither of us had any idea how they got they were just volunteers who took initiative who were making the calls Amazing. and um who were overseen by somebody that's in carson's role now but um as in like someone knew but we just give things away we try to let our our people be unleashed and the biggest encouragement i would give no matter what size your ministry is to help those people is find leaders pour into them and then unleash them and empower them give the ministry away give everything that you can away to those people whether that's social media all of our graphics and bumpers are made by, by volunteers. Um, our social media is ran by volunteers. Uh, and again, we speak into it and cause there's, there's fallout that comes when somebody posts something where you're like, ah, no, that's, we can't say that word, you know, or something like that. And, uh, but to the best you can give your ministry away and empower people. Carson, anything you'd add? No, nothing to add there. I think you hit on it. Good. And what I hear you guys saying that's so vital, like through the past two questions, just talking about leadership, teams, and team building, is contextualized ministry is really what we're after here. Looking at your community, your context, maybe it's a college campus, maybe it's a church, maybe, you know, wherever you're ministering. And then I think the idea is question number one that I would have for a listener, who's helping you? Who are you doing ministry through, to, to borrow that, that phrase? And so who's helping you? And then question number two is a follow-up. How are we training them? There's nothing magical about a 10-week training program, but the Navy SEALs, they have their training model. The Porch, they have their training model. How are you teaching the vision of the church, the, the, the values of the young adult ministry? And I think that that's so huge that we don't um, just honorably adopt and, and adapt and grasp for what other people have done and then take the cookie cutter and, and hope that it works at, at home or at our church or our campus. Because I think that what we're really after is building a team in the area that you guys are called to. And so 
getting back to you guys, if there was a, if you were to summarize what it might mean to have a high performing team, I don't think high performance has anything to do with quantity or size of the team, but, but a high octane, high performing team in young adult ministry leadership. And especially if you were teaching somebody who is just starting or just taking over a young adult ministry, what might that process look like to build and to lead a high performance team? Yeah. Dude, you good if I take that? Yeah, you go. Cool. Um, kind of three buckets as you were asking that question that came to mind. Um, I'll hit on, I'll hit on each of them quickly. The first one is probably most um, staff and volunteer connected and it's good communication. And so with our, of our 150 volunteers, we have 12 people that are leading those 150. We call them team leaders. And our staff team meets with them once a week on Thursday mornings. And that's, uh, that is a time for them to speak into things. We joke, we call them elders, porch elders. Um, it's, it. not, it's not accurate in the fact that we, really, we do have elders of our church and it, it's not the people. But um, we don't want to do anything without them knowing and without them have, uh, being able to speak into it. And then in, um, from there, those team leaders meet with their team of the 150 on Tuesday evenings before the porch. And so it's, it's super important for there just to be constant communication. So I, I think high performance means good communication. High performance means um, leading up. And so this is a concept that we talk a lot about at Watermark and at the porch and really within our staff team. So if anything, I'm probably focusing the leading up concept with the staff team. And David's done a number of podcasts on views from the porch. I would really encourage you guys to check that out. Right. Uh, but really just the, the essence of leading up means that you are, you are proactively uh, being a leader for your boss. And um, rather than saying, man, my boss should have asked me this, my boss should have done this, it's, it's always flipping it around, thinking about how can I be more proactive with my boss? How can I initiate improvements? How can I, um, how can I just honor them with everything that I do? And uh, the, if, I don't have any statistics on this, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that the people that are really good at leading up to their boss are the people that are the best leading other people. Mm -hmm. And so there's always such an emphasis on how do you lead other people well? And I think that it really starts with how are you doing at being led? And so would love for you guys to check out some of those resources because that is an incredible emphasis that we put, um, that we place on our team. And so the third bucket would be uh, your question of, you know, what does it look like to be high performing? I mean, I think it's, it's pretty simple too, of just having high performance expectations and hiring high performers. And so um, that sounds really basic, but um, you know, if, if you're going to be a high performer, you've got to have a plan. You've got to be flexible knowing that you're going to have to change the plan at times. But uh, just as it, as it relates to leading people, especially if it's, if it's other people on staff, You've got, to, you've got to have clarity for what goals you're wanting them to execute on and give them feedback throughout. Let them know how they're doing because everyone wants to know if they're meeting the expectations of the people that are leading them. And so um, just being thoughtful about, am I, am I setting the tone of a high performance environment? And um, 
you can probably ask a handful of people around you and get some honest feedback. And if you're not, then it's probably time to turn it up a notch. That's great. I think what, I, what I've realized in ministry is that 20% of people do 80% of the work. And that was a statistic I learned a couple of years ago, taking courses at a university. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm so thankful and hopeful that I'm part of the 20% of the people doing 80% of the work versus the other way around because, oh man, that's, that's eye-opening. Um, but Carson, what I heard you say is um, a good team player, somebody that's willing to do this is one, follow a vision. We want people that are willing to follow a vision, but we need to be leaders that can cast that vision well. The yeah. second thing is to be able to not only follow that vision, but to serve that vision. You know, I'm going to show up early. I'm going to be the first one there. I'm going to be the last one to leave. And those people are hard to find. And when you find them, you do not want to let them go. But generally what happens is those are the leader of leaders that we get a blessing send to so they can start their own ministry or they're going off to the next stage of life. And the third thing um, is they have the ability to lead up. Mm -hmm. So they have the ability to lead up and help serve the vision of the leader and help follow that vision. And I think that's just a beautiful illustration of hopefully where all of we've, if you're a pastor listening, that we've been, you know, we've been one of those people. And if we haven't, we'll learn very quickly where we have fallen mm -hmm. short and <laughs> it's hard to find. But um, I just want to kind of pivot into the preaching process that you guys kind of demonstrate at your location. And there are a lot of young communicators who are listening to this podcast sure. right now between the ages of 20 to 35 and maybe a little older, and that's completely fine. But one of the things that might be super unique to the porch at Watermark is a process of preaching. Can you walk us through what that process looks like? Totally. Um, so what I would say to young communicators uh, is the next like three minutes that I'm going to share um, is not anything that we created or is not like uh, you know so revolutionary and no one's ever thought of it before. But regardless of where you're at, if you apply these principles, you'll become a better communicator and more effective communicator. And um, we only have so much time in the day. Not all of us are going to be Francis Chan or John Piper or whoever, but these things will help hone. It'll just take you if you're a on a scale of one to 10, if you're a five out of 10, it'll make you a six or maybe a seven. If you're a nine, I think it, it moves you to a 10 and, it, and it's just because it's simple things. So here's our high level process is we put a team together that brainstorms the topic every single Wednesday, which is the day after the porch. We look towards the next week and we're like, all right, next Tuesday, we look at our preaching calendar and we're like, we're going to be covering, if we're in a book of the Bible, this passage, if we're in a topical series, like right now we're in a series called Fact Check. And that's on facing the truth about our faith and kind of putting Christianity on the stand. And how can you reconcile God is good and bad things happen? Mm -hmm. The Bible is a book that it contains the words of God. Like, are we sure? Can we fact check these things? So this week on Wednesday, we, uh, we look at the topic of, uh, that's next week's topic. The Bible is the words of God. Are we sure? And we just brainstorm in that meeting. And there's a team that we've assembled together that helps speak into that Hey, what's the right text to cover in order to address that? Hey, what are the real objections and questions behind that question? So whatever the topic is, it's, it's collaborative. And we do that on Wednesday for two hours. And then myself and, uh, uh, you know, sometimes another, I'll just from there go begin to research and study and write and spend time going before the Lord and 
and just saying, hey, what is the right thing to teach here? And, um, and then by Tuesday, hopefully the message is done. And Tuesday at 3 p.m., I'll do a run through to a team and I'll give the message just like as if the room was full of people. I do it on the stage. I give it to a, a, a few people and I give them outlines and they help critique and they have every message I've ever taught at the porch. Uh, with one exception where I had the flu um, and that was over Christmas. I had the stomach flu um, and I, I like literally got an IV drip during run through time. So I couldn't do it. And um, it was the last sports of the year, long story short, but every message that by and large I've ever done there, um, I'll do that run through at three, give it. And then we sit down and they grade it. They critique it. They, they point out things like, Hey, this didn't make sense. This, I wasn't following you here. That was too Christianese. I don't know what that means. Like it's not connecting to my life. And then uh, we'll sit down and go through all that. I'll make the changes from five to six thirty, and then at seven p.m. it's it's game night. And then after the fact, our entire team will um, will send feedback. And we're just we're fanatics about that. And developing the ability to be good feedback givers is something I feel as a leader I have to, you know, I need to train people to do that. And um, so it's a gift to me, it's a gift to them, and it makes us all better and owners. And um, annually, we'll break away and plan out the sermon series that we're going to cover. And we try to think through the things that young adults need to hear about this life stage and the big rocks that we're going to put in place. And then we'll try to think through creative titles and, and ways to package it. Um, like we're doing a series after fact check called Therapy. And that's going to just be on anxiety and just kind of like stuff that... Um, if you had therapy sessions, you would work through this, whether it's anxiety and bitterness from past relationships or becoming a healthier person, uh, kind of soul care. And, um, and so we'll think through what's the most creative way to package that and, um, and then go from there. But I would assemble a team and the run through team, it's like uh, Ocean's Eleven. Have you seen the movie Ocean's Eleven? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Oh yeah. So you know how in that movie, every person plays a different role. You got like the, the uh, Asian guy who's like a ninja who can flip up and he's up in there brad pitt who's like uh he just is so smooth and um and then you have uh you know the different the the computer guy over there and each each person you don't want all brad pitts and you don't want all the smart computer guy in the, the truck you need different roles in there so as it relates to sermon prep the brainstorming meeting and as it relates to the run-through team it's thinking through who do i need in the room and a lot of that's dependent on you as a communicator like if you're really artistic, um, you may need like, I need a, I need just a kind of Bible nerd here that is going to just drive for those things. If you're the Bible nerd, you need to get that creative artistic person in to help think through how to do that. And you're probably, or everyone listening would think, man, I, that's, that's really nice. If I had a 3000 person gathering and enough staff, I could do that too. You could do this with just one person. Like yeah. you just get one person who can be helpful and you can give the message and you could even record it before. Like that's something if, if uh, somebody is uh, in Fort Worth and like one of the teachers we have lives in Fort Worth about an hour away, there's times where I'm like, bro, just record it on your voice memo and send it over and we'll listen to it and we'll give you feedback on it. And so all the different pushbacks, I'm kind of addressing things I've heard over the years of people being like, well, I can't because we meet at 11 that morning. So, you know, you know when would I do that? And it, and uh, you can make time and you can make it happen if it's a priority and it will make you a better communicator. The second thing I'd say is follow an outline. A lot of, I remember talking to a friend 
and man, my heart is just to see people um, be as effective as possible in communicating the gospel. I don't have it figured out and it's not perfect here by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know anybody that does, but these things will help, especially early on, you know, hone that craft, follow an outline. I had a friend and I remember asking him like, what's your, what do you follow outline wise? And he was like, man, I just try to think of a funny story and then give like 10 things about the topic that I like. And sometimes it's five. And I'm like, that's a terrible process and God bless you, but follow an outline. We say all the time, follow the rules before you break the rules. Um, try to think of a, do you know, are you a baseball fan? Either yes, of you guys? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Season ticket holders for okay. the twins. Come on up. We'll show you a good time. Promise. <laughs> oh, dude, go. and okay. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, for real. There's a guy growing up in Houston named Jeff Bagwell, who is totally. like a, you know, hitting champion. He had the weirdest batting stance ever. Yep. And you look at him and he's, he's like super, super wide. Like a lot of people listening are like, what are you talking about right now? But, he was spread his legs really un like, what are you doing? And it worked for him. But anyone who teaches hitting, like a baseball instructor, uh, a coach on teaching how to hit, nobody would say, here's what you do. Spread your legs as far wide as you can. And that's how you hit. No, they look at Ken Griffey Jr. and be like, man, that's a perfect swing. That's how you should do it. And so you've got to learn to follow the rules because I, I give that illustration because people will go like, well, look at Francis Chan. He doesn't do that. He doesn't follow an outline every single time. And, and it's like, you're not Francis Chan, just like a hitter. You're not Jeff Bagwell. You need to follow the rules and follow any outline and just make yourself accountable to that for a year at least, uh, maybe three years before you ever break off of that. And so choose an outline. Ours is image, need, subject, preview, text setup, text, three points, uh, review, which is like summary, and then a closing image. And each point in there has a illustration and intersection with their life. Awesome. An illustration and an intersection. And uh, so that's not the perfect way, but it is our way. And I would just say, you've got to have a way. And so. That is so valuable. And I'm thinking about the, the baseball for a second because I, I was on a call yesterday and the presenter was like, I don't, I don't follow an outline. And immediately I had a hard time tuning in because they might not need an outline to present, but the listener following consistency and, and a method like similarity so they're familiar with where you're leading them are you trackable as a communicator and i love that we've talked about this you guys we've been doing three seasons of this podcast this is the first time we've talked about preaching at all mm -hmm. and when we meet with young leaders they want reps they want to let it rip there is a generation of people who want to use their voice for god's glory to touch people for their good. And I think that God wants to raise up young communicators and take them to the next level. And I think that having a process, having a team, having a similar heartbeat and approach will help you become a better communicator. And, and then when you do have the reps, you can let it rip and it will be stronger and people will resonate more, I think mm -hmm. is, is what I hear you saying. And so I love that you guys, and that kind of leads us to five and five. Our, our last segment. It's called Five and Five. And this is also the mm -hmm. first podcast where we've had multiple guests on. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have a ton of fun. And it's still limited to five minutes. We'll ask you five questions. You get a minute each. And you guys up for that? 
Let's do it. Minute for each question. So I'll kick us off. Is it going to be one of them at a time or you want to ping pong it so they each get answered? We'll ping one? pong it. So you each get 30 seconds of question. Ooh. All right. So Warm question up. one, and we're going to start with, um, let's see, we will start with Carson. Okay. And let's here's go. question one. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Ready, set, go. Oh man, 30 seconds. Um, I'd say savage. My love language is sarcasm. Classic <laughs> three wing two, so achiever, and um, I guess I'd say thoughtful for the third one. I like to think things through. We'll make thoughtful, it. sarcastic, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> David, what I, are, what are your three words? <laughs> um, man, I feel like I'm not good at this. Um, I, I'm a seven on the enneagram, so I don't like to I don't like to land in like oh, these three things. Um, oh. Fun loving, uh, like I think our whole team loves kind of sarcasm. Um, man, I, it's kind of a weird thing to talk. I, husband, servant of Jesus, and dad. Um, those are probably the biggest rocks and most fun and great rocks in my life is being Callie's husband and Monroe and crew. I have a daughter named Monroe and a son named Crew getting to be their dad. So. That is too fun. All right. Question number two. Why do you do what you do and what drives you to do it? Carson, you want to go first again so you can ping pong back and forth? Yeah, happy to. Um, man, I, I think that, I think that, you know, there's, there's no such, there's no such thing as a job that's the perfect job and, um, you never arrive. And, um, there, there is just some reality in life that, um, you've got to you've got to give it your best every single day, and but also do something that you enjoy. And so I do feel fortunate that I'm in a role that I really do enjoy. And um, all of us are going to face challenges, no matter what the circumstances. But it's important to be around people that you you love, that um, and and just being able to do whether you work at a church or you, you don't work at a church, just being able to live out the ministry that God's put us all on. Good. Uh, what, what drives, what do you do with you? Man, I love getting, I don't feel like I work at a church and I don't feel like I even where I feel like we're changing the world. Like, honestly, that's how I think about it. And I think church has historically just been, there's so many churches out there that I are just cringy and they're not innovative and they're not, not relevant and they're not, they, um, they see themselves as working on a church staff and I, uh, and not the hope of the world. And so I think, seeing the church be all that it could be and should be and this generation unleashed is the thing that that drives me in doing what we do every day that's beautiful amazing this we're gonna have some fun we're having a ton of fun this is a blast this this question number three carson you get to ask micah any question david you get to ask me any question and that's question three go oh i love it go Carson. all right so micah um if if um if there was one thing that you think that the porch, whether the, the messages that you hear, or even in these conversations, what's the one thing that you think that we might not, that we might be ignorant to, or what's a, what's a blind spot that you anticipate that we could have, that we have? Oh man. Oh, my question. <laughs> no way. Collaborating. Come on. Great minds think for themselves, David. No, I'm <laughs> I literally oh have, yo, I, I got another one. All right. Well, Carson, I don't know enough about your church to say that this is a blind side, but this is one of my passions that I feel is not 
under, it's not talked about enough and it's extremely relevant. And that is young adults with love, sex, dating, purity, and waiting. And I think that many churches have done a disservice of presenting the importance of purity versus leaning into the consequences of the decision-making process that many young adults have. You don't know my past. How could God forgive me? Can I really live redeemed? Will my husband or my wife really be able to enjoy our marriage if they know that I've lived this rowdy life? And it's one of my favorite topics where you get to see so much redemption happening. And I think that the church has an amazing privilege to leverage um, the truth about purity and sexuality and relationships and, and how God can redeem all of that. So I don't know if that's a blind spot for you, but that's one of my passion points that I encourage every young adult ministry to talk about openly and honestly without saying, turn or burn, you're going to hell, the decisions you've made. Like I have Catholic friends that have made decisions that grandparents have spoke those things over. And I'm like, that is so unfortunate that that is still how they feel about themselves where there's so much truth and so much redemption and so much love that Christ offers back to the person maybe hasn't lived the most godly or pure life. So I don't know if that's a blind spot, but I feel like that is a topic every young adult leans into and wants to know more of. So that's good. Your turn. All right, David, he's been brainstorming. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Bring it, bro. All right. I love it. Um, I'm tempted to go the same one, but I'll ask another one for the audience's sake. Um, uh, I'm going to ask too, really quick. What is, what is, um, what is the word on the street? And you may not have any of this answer. You may be like, I'm not familiar with it enough. What is either the word on the street, of uh, the porch or about watermark that, um, we may not have privy to like some, it may not even be accurate, but a perception, um, right or wrong and extra points. If it's like in the wrong category and, uh, like, does that question make sense? Hey, what's sure. I'm glad you got bad breath. What would it be if you don't? And then, what's the number one pattern that you see in young and old ministers? The biggest, like, oh man, this is typically the biggest thing that they are not doing well, and biggest area that they need coaching on. Hmm. These are fun. You guys take this seriously. We're we're intense. I love it. Okay, here's the word on the street. Five years ago, there was a guy who moved from California to Minnesota. His name is Jonathan Fauché. So shout out, Jonathan. You're probably listening. And you remember him. He came to our young adult ministry, got super involved. The guy's a prince of a guy, seriously. And he was the one who told me about the porch. He's like, Josiah, you know what podcast I listen to every single week? And I'm like, no. Like, tell me. I'm a podcast junkie. So bring it, man. And he shows me Watermark Church, Dallas, Texas. And he shows me the porch. Mm -hmm. And so... I'll just be honest, like Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we live in the Twin Cities, it's not the Bible Belt. It's not Texas. It's not like maybe some of even the speakers who are huge in Texas, people in Minneapolis have never heard of, Mm -hmm. just being honest. Mm -hmm. But there is a good word on the street about the porch. There is a really, really strong, like, it's awesome. And uh, this will be fun, okay? I'll go real raw for a second. We have a friend, we're actually doing the podcast with him next. And he has a similar name for the church, 
Um, his church is also called Watermark, in, but it's in Stillwater, Minnesota. And he planted it seven years ago. This guy loves his community. He's a church planter better than anyone I've seen maybe on planet Earth. He walks the streets of Stillwater, Minnesota, one of the most beautiful cities on planet Earth, overlooks a giant river. And he just like, you know, so I just remember when he started, he didn't know about Watermark Church in, in Dallas, Texas. So he named it. And then I, I think that there was some infringement on copyright. We'll have to ask him the question. <laughs> I think that that is, um, <laughs> I think there's a story there. It's not my story. I don't know. Um, but I know he does all of his own graphics, that kind of stuff. And then biggest trend as far as what, or pattern for young adult ministry leaders, mm. I'd say it's this. Um, and no, no disrespect ever. All you get from me is support, encouragement, love, mm. friendship, an advocate. What I do see a trend of is people reach the three-year mark mm -hmm. and peace out. Or people reach the 18-month mark and hit some challenges and they see greener pastures elsewhere. And God totally calls people 18 months here, three years there, yeah. so on and so forth. So no disrespect. Um, God also gives us the, the freedom to choose. Like, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? And I just wonder about faithfulness and longevity and consistency. We're talking to David, you've been working with the porch like 11 years, 12 years, leading it for three, four. You know, I just wonder about grit. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if God might be asking a, a generation like Einstein, he solved some of the greatest problems. And he said, brilliant mind, not the Bible said, but he's Einstein said, it's not that I'm a genius that I solve these problems. It's just that I stick with it longer. And I just wonder what would happen if a generation of college pastors, young adult ministry leaders had grit, like Angela Duckworth talked about. They have passion multiplied by perseverance. And what if they had stick with itness to just champion a generation and in a generation that has so much transience, what if we as the leaders were the bedrocks of anchor consistency? Mm -hmm. Come on, dude. I love it, man. Such a good man. So <laughs> last two questions. Thanks for asking those. Holy cow. Okay. We'll go fast because Josiah is eating up your minutes. Would you be willing to tell us one epic failure that you've experienced in life, leadership, or ministry that could help our leaders and listeners today? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'll keep the rhythm and go real quick. Um, Man, just as a, I said, I'm a three wing two. I love, I love, I'm an achiever. I love things to be perfect. And um, I'm the type of person that wants to put all the puzzle pieces together. And I imagine that there's a lot of folks that are listening that are on the early stages of building their ministry. And um, it's just a reminder that even, even to your point, Josiah, is that it, it takes time. Yeah. And, um, and uh, one of my favorite illustrations that David's given is just like, whenever we see a football field, um, if you're if you're at eye level, it just looks like a mess. You just see a bunch of bunch of people running around, but it takes getting altitude to see what God's creating and what that um, what that puzzle is looking like. And so, if you're anything like me and you want the results tomorrow, it's just patience. And you know, I'm it's coming from a 30 year old, and I'm sure that's going to sound completely different whenever I'm 60 or when I'm 70 and have even more life experience. So, the people that are listening that are early 20s, mid 20s. 
just reminding them of patience and, and God is at work, even if you don't see it in a matter of days or weeks. That's great. Wow. Yeah. Um, I would say man, the ones that pop to mind quickest are like failures on leading up. I think learning how to lead up with your boss, communicating well, all of us, you know, there's no perfect place. I think Watermark's is healthy than church at any place on the planet. And yet there's times where, um, you know, my direct boss, which is the senior pastor, like we'll disagree on something and I can either buck against that form a coup and be like, this guy's so old. And, uh, or I can be like, Hey, all right, well, here's what we should do. Or how can I help accomplish what you're doing? I trust God is in that. And I'm healthiest when I'm not fighting against the system and, um, and I'm leading underneath and, uh, striving to see the success of those above me take place mm -hmm. and to live out and accomplish their mission and to not get resentful. And I just see a lot of young leaders, and I, I'm still in myself. There's part of us that thinks I'm right all the time, and I know what the best thing to do. And, um, and to trust God is in that. He changes the hearts of people. Uh, and I'm going to, as best I can, honor the positions of leadership above me and around me. So I feel like there's all of the ones I would give are anecdotal and, and may even distract from that. But that would be the biggest failures that come to mind quickest are like times that I'm not doing that. And, uh, and that's a constant tension. I have to always go back to God. You move the pieces around. You're in control. I want to lead up and lead underneath those who you have put over me. And, uh, and you got it. And if I disagree, uh, I'm going to communicate that and be honest. But then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek to trust you in the midst of that. That's Amazing. Great. So last question. If you guys could leave a group, if there was a room that was filled with college pastors and young adult ministry leaders, you were handed a microphone. You could each tell them one thing. What would you leave them with? Yeah, I would tell them to go back to the first part of our conversation, just talking about leadership and team building, that it all comes back to uh, the volunteers and the leaders that you're building up and shepherding. That's great. I would steal a line from Chuck Swindoll. I think it was him. Um, that know yourself, be yourself, know who you are, be who you are, and like who you are. That's all who you are. If God's going to use you, he's going to use you being you, not you trying to be anyone on here. Are you trying to be me? Are you trying to be whoever your hero is? Know who you are. Know how God has wired you. Be who you are and then like who you are because that's all that you are. And so embrace it, trust God with it, and then be you. And um, whether that's in your leadership style and your teaching and just all that you're doing. Mm -hmm. I love it, you guys. We want to encourage everyone listening to be kind to yourself, to like, look in the mirror and like who you are because it's who God made you to be. So David and Carson, guys, thank you so much for a great conversation today, for joining us. Listeners, you can find out more about David Martin, Carson Radke, and The Porch, as well as Watermark Church in Dallas when you connect with us on our website is youngadults.today, as well as on social media, we're at youngadults.today. So here with Micah, we're signing off. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting judged up right now, yeah.